A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus sternly warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus sternly warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Last Sunday, Peter got the right answer when Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But now Jesus goes on to say that the Messiah of God must suffer, be killed, and be raised. The Messiah Peter wants is not the Messiah we got. Peter imagines a warrior Messiah in the line of King David. A conquering Messiah rides into the city on a white stallion. Do you remember how Jesus entered Jerusalem? He rode a donkey. Peter is setting his mind not on divine things, but on human things. These texts are not calling us away from what it means to be a human being, but calling us to be truly human, to find our true selves in God, abandoning our false selves. The self-denial to which Jesus calls us is not the opposite of self-fulfillment. Just giving up things will not make one Christian. It will only make one empty. What is difficult for our culture to understand is an orientation to one's life that is not focused on self at all, either as self-esteem or self-abasement, as self-fulfillment or self-emptying. The cross is a freely chosen revelation of love on God's part. Instead of demanding that someone had to spill blood to get to a distant and demanding God, On the cross, God was spilling blood to reach out to us. The cross was a dramatic demonstration of God's outpouring love. Paul exhorts us, do not be conformed to this world. Faith, for Matthew, is more than a confession. It's the way one lives. It's having the right attitude having the mind set on the things of God, and the behavior that results from that. 
rather than praising orthodoxy, which is right praise or right belief, Matthew seems to be more concerned with orthopraxy, which is right practice. Father Michael Himes, in his book, Doing the Truth in Love, insists that it's the doing that shapes our identity, not the believing. First, you do the truth, and then you come to understand it. Ultimately, orthopraxy always precedes orthodoxy. In that sense, we can only understand the cross by standing under it. The Franciscan Father Richard Rohr points out that St. Bonaventure, also a Franciscan, calls the cross a coincidence of opposites. The divine mind transforms all human suffering by identifying completely with the human predicament and standing in full solidarity with it from beginning to end. This is the real meaning of the crucifixion. The cross is not just a singular event. It's a statement from God that reality has a cruciform pattern. Jesus was killed in a collision of cross purposes, conflicting interests and half-truths, caught between the demands of an empire and the religious establishment of his day. The cross was the price Jesus paid for living in a mixed world, which is both human and divine, simultaneously broken and utterly whole. He hung between a good thief and a bad thief, between heaven and earth, inside of both humanity and divinity, a male body with a feminine soul, utterly whole and yet utterly disfigured, holding together all the primary opposites. Following Jesus is a vocation to share the fate of God for the life of the world. Peter was trying to lead rather than follow. Jesus invites us to get behind him, to follow him by personally bearing the mystery of human death and divine resurrection. Richard Rohr says that those who agree to carry and love what God loves, both the good and the bad of history, and to pay the price for its reconciliation within themselves, these are the followers of Jesus. They are the leaven, the salt, the remnant, the mustard seed that God can use to transform the world. The cross is a dramatic image of what it takes to be such a usable one for God. Paul is making this same appeal in his letter to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Christians are called to be the visible compassion of God on earth. Our vocation is a willingness to hold and transform the dark side of things instead of reacting against them, denying them, or projecting our anxiety elsewhere. Holding does not necessarily mean fully reconciling. It is indeed a suffering of reality, which implies some degree of patience, humility, and forgiveness. Here's a wonderful reflection from Susan Palo Sherwin on suffering. 
We think that suffering means misery, the bearing down upon us of pain, the crushing weight of tragedy. But suffering, if we look closely at the word itself, means to bear up under, to bear up under. Suffering is not what happens to us, but how we react to what happens to us. There's an aspect of ascension to suffering. It means not to be crushed. There's an aspect of resurrection to suffering. It means not to be defeated. There's an aspect of eternity to suffering. It means not to be destroyed, but to bear up under, to bear up under. It is, as St. Paul said so mysteriously, when I am weak, then I am strong.